where was the loot? Where was where was the loot, honey? Where was the loot? Testing one, two, three. Testing if this is fine, but it doesn't sound like it's on. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Testing one, two, three. Blah, 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 blah. Do, do, do. Do I don't care. I don't. I, I guess it's fine. If I don't need to hear myself, then I don't need to hear myself. I don't know how this stuff works. So. Hi, everybody. Um, in the back shed. Good morning. Um, yeah. Continue what you were saying, though. Uh, the oh. leak came in Friday oh night. Oh, yeah. Where was where's the leak in the shed? Okay. It's fine. If you look up, you'll see in the ceiling, um, uh -huh. it's still kind of wet. I insulated the ceiling. Oh, I see. And you it's can see right it coming through head. the ceiling. Um, uh, we're in the back shed where I work and where I have my library and where I have my little um, music studio, if mm -hmm. well, where I practice guitar. It's very Probably small, people. What is it, eight feet wide, you think, if I was to lie down? Eight feet wide by about eight by 12. Eight by 12? Can Somewhere. you lie down crossways in here? Maybe it's then, yeah, maybe I, it might be what, six feet wide 11? by 12. But it's very cozy, isn't it? Yeah, it's cozy. I think, like, once you finish it out. Yeah the walls and the ceiling and then you put a rug down or something i think you'll have for a very cozy cute space yeah are you going to add oh you do have a window you just have it closed off so you have two windows oh which, do, are yeah. which are nice yeah yeah i could do it a third window right there maybe well but you have a building there so i'd probably put the window on the back in the alley yeah because you oh face yeah. oh you're right otherwise that's just going to give you that's you'd not have a bad idea what's on the other side of that is bamboo right Yes. You put a window on that side. I could. I don't. I like the idea of an alley. I don't know how to. I met a guy at a coffee shop who suggested he could help put a window in. Maybe I'll give mm -hmm. him a call. And because actually a high window, so like people walking by. I don't think I want people walking by the alley looking in here though, because there's. You know I don't think. Well, you could just put blinds on it, right? Or no? I could. That yeah, is a, that is a good point. Um, we did have a leak. We had a lot of rain come in Friday night. I've been in this shed for working out of this shed since August, and uh, that's the last time we did a podcast, by the way. Oh, wow. September, October. Long time. Over two months. We're actually already in season three, although that doesn't... We didn't really do a complete season two. We didn't. Uh, actually, I don't... Uh, no, we might be in season two, but anyway, I'll have to look back and see. Yeah. Uh, but um, we had a lot of rain, and it came through the roof a bit. And actually, there was a puddle of water on my soundboard, uh -oh. which is which would be like a carpenter's tools being destroyed. So, but I it seems fine because it's working today, huh? It's working, yeah. I had no oh problems. Oh, good. And they said it was a very sturdy soundboard. That if I dropped it, it'd be okay. But they didn't mention if it got drowned in rain water. But it yeah. seemed to do okay. And it literally, it's like a puddle. Probably several tablespoons of water were in that thing. Oh, okay. So I turned it upside down and turned everything off and dried it out. And then Callum jumped on the roof and swept it and uh, duct taped it. That's our not uh, that's our temporary solution. Yeah. The water can actually get trapped under the duct tape and make it worse. So. Well, Jennifer and Joseph gave us a name of a handyman. Oh, yeah. So that's probably someone we he can could, he call could get up there, yeah. and he can fix that. Yes. So that's the story. This You don't spend much time back here, do you? 
No, actually, I never come in here because I, I mean I don't have any reason to come back here. I only come back here if I'm bringing you a plate of lunch food, which is not that often because a lot That's of times true. we have lunch together in the house. Right. And um, I mean, I felt bad that you were back here because you worked so hard, and I felt bad that you were relegated to this being your office. But now that I'm in here, I mean, it really does have a lot of potential. It does, yeah. yeah. I mean, right now it doesn't look great. But, you know, eventually I think you'll have a really sweet spot here. Yes, I think so. You I know? think it's I was hoping this week uh, being off I would finish all that, at least that wall of shit. Right yeah. But it wasn't to be. Maybe Christmas week or something. It's just hard to get a, a head on it. Mm-hmm. But, um, well, there's so much to do. Yeah. There's so much to do. And then plus, you know, on the weekend, sometimes you just have to rest. You can't yeah. work every single weekend, you know. I'm down to that laptop now. So, but, okay, so we haven't podcasted in a long time. So what do we want to talk about today, Brian? Do you want to, like, update people on new things happening in your world? Yeah, is there any way you could talk first so I could move some stuff around here? Sure, I can talk. What do you want me to talk about? I can talk about new stuff in my life. Do or that. Like I'll be right back. Or should I talk about our lives? Oh, okay. Well, as you guys know, we were super busy over the summer because of buying a house. Not only, like, finding a house, but then once finding the house, moving into the house, doing construction on the house, which we shared with you guys part of that story and what a nightmare that turned out to be and then you know now that we've been in the house we have had buyer's remorse in the sense that you know it's brought on extra debt that we did not anticipate so we feel kind of discouraged by that but at the same time it is a really old house it was not cared for properly it wasn't the person that owned it they did they only did the bare minimum of keeping it standing so it's like now we are trying to play catch up of all those years of fixing things that need to be fixed. And so so I guess if we kind of look at it that way, then it becomes less discouraging. But as far as the house goes, like even just this morning, I woke up when I went out to get like my second cup of coffee. It's just a really nice, inviting space. Like I really enjoy it. And then even we bring more stuff into it yeah, and fill it out, it'll become even cozier. Um, so, yeah, we weren't podcasting for that reason. And then we also weren't podcasting because Brian didn't really want to podcast. So I would ask him every now and then if he wanted to podcast. And he was always like, no. And I just like was like, okay, well, we don't have to podcast. Maybe it was just a season thing that we did for that season and then maybe it had like yeah. served its purpose and it was time to move on um and i think i asked last week if you wanted to podcast and you were like I yeah think well you were like no and then you suggested doing it this weekend so i was like okay let's do it so the downside of a podcast is people know everything about you you know like if we yeah. go if we go out to hang out with people who listen to this like and they say what's new. If they've listened to, to this and then they ask what's new, well they kind of know. And I always felt like it, there was a danger. It was one-sided where uh, 
so people who do know us yeah. know what's going on. And then people that don't know us and come across it know more about us than would it be normal. Like when you meet right. you meet someone for the first time, there's a lot you don't know about them. But if, if somebody comes across this who barely knows us, like they're getting to know a lot. Yeah. Right. That's so true. So That's I true. I suppose that, that feels odd. But, but some of it was, I think, very specific to our journey. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like a lot of that. I just feel like I've worked through a lot of my stuff that I worked through in the podcast. Yeah. Especially like the whole religion thing. Right. Like I feel really good where I am. And I also don't go seeking out places to be triggered by yeah. religious commentary. I just don't do it anymore. Yeah. You know? Yeah, that makes sense. And then you and I, we don't really fight about religion. We'll get in like little tiny tiffs or whatever, but we don't. Yeah. You know, I meant to ask you. Um, yeah. I said grace at Thanksgiving meal because yeah. it felt like something you do for Thanksgiving right. if you're ever going to do it. Now, uh, um, what, what, how did you feel about that? Because your response seemed odd to me a bit. Well, no. I mean, I don't pray anymore at yeah. all. So it's like, but I am very thankful. And yeah. I think that sometimes people who pray or like maybe – it's like, do you have to be, do you have to pray in order to be thankful? Is prayer the only way to show that you are thankful? Or like, do you have to be thankful to someone? Like, yeah. So my response was probably odd because you asked. Well, let me, can I explain? Well, let me explain what odd meant. You said, well, I'm not a Christian anymore. Right. And I was like, well, I know that. Right. And maybe you were saying it because there was other, you know, um, Lydia was there too. Maybe yeah. Maybe it was whatever. Anyway, well I shouldn't say odd is the ma- maybe not the not the right term, but um, well, number one, you don't have to. It was polite of you to ask me if I minded if you prayed, but you don't have to ask me. Yeah, that. I think it's because you know, I feel like that piece is missing. There's some void there, and I think we filled it with what what do we ha- anyone want to say anything? But it feels like when you sit down, there's a feeling of hey, this is a special moment that we're sharing here around this meal. And just sitting down and going straight into it feels odd to me. Like there should be some. So I think I haven't quite replaced that. And it, it became more apparent on Thanksgiving because that's the big meal where even people who don't normally pray, somebody will probably pray, you know. Or not. I don't think an no? atheist family would pray No, they wouldn't, yeah. But like someone in the South here, even people who were like, who weren't necessarily um, religious would probably feel like they should say something. So I wonder um yeah, I think I think maybe it's a matter of finding like what's a what's a way to acknowledge, hey, this is a special moment we're about to embark on. Like cuz well you know, it's all this effort hours and hours of effort go in and then you sit down and then you've just destroyed the meal and it's gone. It's almost like it, f- it feels like there needs to be a pause of, hey, like look what to examine what's before you and who's around you and stuff yeah i mean i think it's just i think it's just a habit you formed right or that we formed and like any habit that you have it's literally ingrained into your brain so your brain is telling you it's time to pray whether you actually need to or not it's just a part of your dna now because you've done it for so long yeah but i totally i mean i you know, I do agree that, like, 
it was a tradition. Like maybe we can come up with a new tradition. Yeah. For meal times, because we were for a while, we were doing, we were just saying something at the beginning of our meal to say we were thankful. Yeah. And sometimes you would pray, and then I would say something that was not a prayer, but that it was acknowledging that I'm thankful right. for the meal <coughs> and the food, because I am like, I am a very thankful person. Yeah. And, you know, and very grateful for everything. So for me, sitting down to the table and eating, I am no less thankful yeah. than I was when I was a Christian. Like, there's no less thankfulness there. Yeah, yeah. There's no, the only difference is, is that I am not attributing that food being on the table to this. Yeah deity however you know the earth itself and the universe and whatever conspired to give us everything that we have unbeknownst to us we can't definitively pinpoint exactly what that is um and i am 100 percent all in on giving my thankfulness to that force or that happy accident or that whatever it is that came together so that we could have all of this food and also to you for you know being and you actually mostly because I mean the earth is here right I'm on it I'm living here uh and I didn't do anything to get here, but like you bear the brunt of making money, buying the food, paying the mortgage, buying the clothes, everything that we have, you know, and I'm very aware of giving that thanks more to you than to like some person that may or may not exist in the sky. So to you, and the earth and the universe and the rain and the sun, I am more grateful to those things. Yeah. You know? <coughs> and I so wonder if there's a way to, so I wonder if there's a way to express that. Well, I think I did express it. I think. Yeah, I think we do. It could be more, you know, I mean, it could just be, because I mean, like when you pray, what do you say? You just you address God or Jesus or whoever it is you pray to, Allah, and you express, because really all God is is a narrative that was created, created to explain the mystery of what people were seeing around them. That's what Yuval Harari is sa- was saying. I listened to him in a, an interview He's a brilliant scientist and author. What's the name of that book he wrote? Sapiens. Was Sapiens. We did. I, was that the one we read? You read Homo Deus for uh, Homo Deus or Deus yeah. or whatever it's called. He wrote a new one, but he was on. I started listening to a podcast called The Armchair Expert with Dax Shepard, and he's just a brilliant human being, and he's a he's a complete atheist. But he was saying that. You know, mankind, they create the only way for us to live and function in communities and societies without killing each other, which we barely manage to keep from doing that, is by creating these um, 
false narratives or these imaginary tales, basically, but by agreeing collectively to believe in these fake stories, this is how we can function as a society. And he used like religion as an example. All these religions are made up, but allows people to function in society and have things like the Ten Commandments. They all obey them together. They observe things together. You know, they agree on things together. But then things like money, democracy, capitalism, these are other narratives that we've created that are also like money is totally a made-up construct that we have all collectively agreed upon to believe in, even though it's meaningless at the end of the day. Yeah. So, like, we are conditioned to believe these things. So, like, we're conditioned to believe in the prayer in the man in the sky or force in the sky that created all of this, even though we don't even know if there is such a thing. There is absolutely zero ways of proving that. But yet people in their own heads and imaginations or their conditioning of how they grew up have chosen to believe in it. Does he talk about what's the next story we need to believe in? So he, he, he thinks that we need to collectively believe in something to survive. Well, he believes that the most important thing now is that we know that. Oh. That we recognize that we are collectively agreeing to believe these things, but that now we have the wherewithal to look at them and examine them and to question them and to reinvent ones that are better, that make more sense, um, and also to teach our children, because the book he wrote now is written to children, so that you're teaching them about the evolution of the world, and you're teaching them about, hey, we made up this whole thing about money. We made up these religions. Like, all of these things we made up, but, like, you get the opportunity to now look at them and examine them and do what you want with them. Maybe if you like something, you keep it. If it works, keep it. If it doesn't, get rid of it. Like, yeah, you know, and because parents, we never did that with our kids. Like, I think I did let them read things on evolution and the universe, and I didn't keep them from – in other words, I didn't just say, like, oh, you can only hear the creation story. You can't hear anything else. Yeah. You know, I allowed them to – because my theory was if evolution is true or if Christianity is true and the creation story is true, then the one that's most convincing will win. And turns out my kids were more convinced by evolution than they were by the creation story. Yeah because it had more facts involved in it. Um, but I kind of think I lost my train of thought. But anyway, like, oh, yeah, that's what I was saying. As parents, because tons of parents do this, you we present our kids with one thing. This is the way the world works. This is the religion we believe in. This is the system of government we believe in. These things you shall hold dearly and do not stray from them. Instead of 
these are things we believe in, we have chosen to believe in. Are they good? Are they bad? Are they true? Are they false? Can they be changed? Yeah. Like we don't, that's not even allowed in religion. You're not even allowed to say, is this everything that's in this book? You're not even allowed to question it. And even some people feel the same about democracy, that you're not even allowed to question democracy or you're not allowed to question capitalism or patriotism. Why not? Well, because if you do, um, well, so but if you question the central narrative that's that's keeping us together, yeah, aren't you putting the, the combining at risk? The Definitely. I think you are. So I think that's like when you do question them, I think you have to be thoughtful in how you question them and how well, that's like the beauty of, that's why they were saying the beauty of the Constitution. That's why it's such a cool document, because the Founding Fathers had the wherewithal to put in there the option of changing it and amending it. Yeah. So on that note, it's like maybe the central narrative is, this is what we think we know so far. Exactly. But But it's always open to to curiosity and yeah. discovery and mm -hmm. that's our, our central story now yeah. as humans is that there's more questions mm -hmm. it's okay to have questions that are unanswered yeah but how do you feel about that i think i feel okay about it i mean mm -hmm. it's 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 nice to have the the attraction of fundamentalism is that, that it gives you answers because mm -hmm. if you're not comfortable with a question unanswered it's an uncomfortable place to be yeah but specifically fundamentalism which is what when you when you say Christianity, I often translate that as fundamentalist versions of Christianity, where the answers are given. Mm -hmm. And um, that's well, I take that back. So, like Orthodox Christianity, I don't mean Eastern Orthodox. I mean a Christianity that there's like a central <laughs> belief, like the Nicene mm -hmm. Creed, for example, is believed by Anglicans, Catholics. And Eastern Orthodox, and that's like a central belief, you know. But and people who kind of stray from that would be unorthodox. So now I lost my train of thought. Who was where I was going with that? Um. I, I, so I guess where I think is, I think it's okay to, I think it's okay to have to be comfortable with questions and to mm -hmm. have a curious mind. Yeah. And I under, but I understand why people are uncomfortable with not having answers, you know. Yeah, I mean an attraction of, of with uh, your buddy over there and pointing to him with John Calvin to your yeah. top, sitting oh there yeah. in your top right mm -hmm. is that he puts this institutes of the Christian religion together and he has this one of the earliest um, theologies of of this is where you land on certain things and that's why like neo Calvinism is becoming popular because it gives answers you know yeah and they can pull from scriptures that give them yeah and. Uh, you know, so, yeah. Mm -hmm. There you go. Do you think, um, I was thinking about this, like being thankful for something. Can mm -hmm. you be thankful for something without being thankful to someone for it? Of course. I think so. I mean, Cause I guess, well, I'm trying to think what exists in the universe that we don't, that is just there, like plants. Yeah. Trees. You know, I mean, 
I mean, but I guess, you know, even Native Americans, they saw everything around them and they felt like they had to give someone credit for it. Yeah. And they came up with all kinds of things. So did, you know, in Buddhism, they have, you know, gods for all kinds of things. The Romans and the Greeks did the same thing. You know, they had gods that they created for different things. But it's like, so e even like when Liam was a youngster, I've said this before, he saw this amazing sunset. He said, thank you, man, for the colors. Like, right. So when I was, at the time, I would have said, well, if even in his nature, he knows he has to be thankful to someone. He can't just well let it go. he had also been to church. No, he well was I don't little. Know if he was he so little, though, I don't pray. think so. Had he? I don't know if he, at that age, I don't know if he, I think he was I mean too he young. Wa he was already two, because yeah. Finn was, or was he even three? And he was also really smart, too. Yeah, yeah. I was, was walking I by. I know I'm playing devil's advocate because I no, know that's fine. a very special story to you. Yeah, um, I was going by the Pearl recently, and um, there was a thing that said "Happy Holidays," and I used to see it for a few years, and I was mm -hmm. like, "It's a meaning. It's an empty term to say Happy Holidays." That's how I felt for a long time. I did, but then I saw it last year or year before, and I was like, "No, that's okay. That sign's okay," because the way I would have right. viewed it was. If Christ isn't the center of it, then how, why, it's not, it's not happy. And I was thinking, like, there is a, there is a, a space for, for just that statement to stand on its own, that you could just see that sign and think, the holidays are coming, and I'm going to be, I'm going to receive that happiness or whatever. So, and yeah. Go ahead. Oh, and, and, and well, I, I wish I could articulate it, but at the time I was like, oh. So are you thinking, like, before your mindset couldn't conceive of someone having a happy Christmas or getting any meaning out of it if they didn't have Jesus at the center of it. Yeah, that's like what I would have thought. Like, you just wouldn't have been able to. Right. Would you? Were you the same, you think? Would you have thought the same? Um, I mean, I think, well, definitely I was conditioned to believe that people's lives were not, that they just thought that they had fulfilled lives, but they actually didn't. Yeah. That they were just, you know, living in a lie or whatever. But so I probably did think that. But I'm, you know, I'm sure they still had fun. Like I feel because really it's just Christmas is very similar to Thanksgiving. You know, it's a celebration of just giving and excess and, um, you know, it can it can be a beautiful holiday without the virgin birth which if you think about the virgin birth and what was going on is really a horrifying story so for me the holiday has actually gotten better since leaving christianity because now that i can like wipe that out it's a more holistic like no one has to suffer there's not some young girl who has been taken advantage of and is having to have her reputation scarred and have a baby before her body is ready. And, you know, just all of these weird things. Like, it's just so gross. And the fact that I don't have to think about that anymore, even though when I believed in it, I didn't realize what the story was about. And the implications of that. But just like imagine right now if when Finn was 13 or 14, someone wanted to get her pregnant, you know. And that's just, 
it's just a horrible event, in my opinion. I well, yeah. not in my opinion. It is. It's a fact. And whether people are so blinded they can't see that, well, it's just so outdated. I mean, it's like sex trafficking. Hey, from an evolutionary standpoint, why would a girl? Why would the female be? able to have a baby but not have a baby at that young age so we think mary was 13 14 well she okay so nowadays or now from what i've read you need to weigh a hundred pounds usually females get their periods around a hundred pounds yeah but this is just lack of education just because someone weighs a hundred pounds and is able to get pregnant doesn't mean they should get pregnant. So, like, do you think because evolution failed on that, where it should have been smarter to wait until the ch- until? Yeah, because we have. Um, actually, I was l- listening to a program about this that, as humans, we have it like uh, animal babies that are born. They're born. They can. A lot of them can walk right away. They can run within hours. They they know how to get food right away. Some of them are even left alone to do everything by themselves right away. Their time with the mother is way smaller than humans. Humans, we have elongated that whole process because human babies are born extremely helpless, but not just even when our kids are at the age of reproduction they still aren't ready to be thrown out into the world to because like okay there are young girls and i forget what african country it is but they are given away in marriage at like 9 11 13 right sleeping with grown men and they are able to get pregnant they have their periods but their bodies have not fully formed yet. They're still growing. Their growth plate is not closed. It's far from it. Okay? But they have their period. They get pregnant. Some of them die in childbirth because their hips aren't wide enough to deliver the baby. Or it is so damaging when they have the baby that it ruins their, uh, I think it's called your urethra or where you go to the bathroom from yeah these girls urinate on themselves for the rest of their lives and then they become outcast of their communities and now you have organizations like doctors without borders and people like that that go over and have to operate on these young girls to restore their pelvic area so just because and i'm sure that was an old way of thinking back then well she has her period she must be ready to get married. Well, that's if God exists, why didn't he step into the picture and say, you know what? Your daughter's going to get her period around 100 pounds, but give her a few years because she still needs to grow some more. And then after when she's around, you know, she's grown a little bit more and her body's filled out more, then she's ready for marriage and for having children. But let's not do that. I mean, God was quick to come in with the Ten Commandments and all these other things, but he never comes in with any protection for women. He never comes in with any, like, good common sense doctrine but like, of, uh, like, 
Uh, well, d- busy for, m- let me, does but men busy, have busy no for men? There is no, what are we going to protect men from? No, okay, don't send your boys to war when they're so 12. If there's 10 commandments, uh, um, there shall not steal, there shall not right. commit murder. That protects men and women, right? Honor your right, p- mother and father. The there you go. There's a woman right there. Right, but what is that? But I think, I don't. You're saying they should have added some or? Yeah. Well, because think of it. Think of the difference between being a man and a woman, right? If a man and a woman have sex, are there any repercussions for the man at all? No. No, they're not. So easy for the men back then to say, heck yeah, I want to sleep with that 9-year-old or that 11-year-old. She's got a little tight, tiny vagina. I'm going to get right in there. Okay, okay, we, we get it. And well, no, because that's what it is, Brian. Yeah, it's yeah. Pedophilia and rape. Yeah. And that's what they were doing because they were sick in their head. Yeah. Okay. No, are you saying like that? You're. Sh- I mean, there is. Thou shalt not rape. Like that. I don't know. That's not in there. Is it implied somewhere? You think? Um, I think it's in there, but I'm just saying, like, people want to talk about what's in the Bible. They never talk about what's not in the Bible. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like. Where were the things to protect young girls and women who are very vulnerable, but they weren't protected? And that would have been so easy. Like if you're protecting, you know, people's belongings and their possessions and you want to protect their marriage and their... I mean, there was even there were even things about pots and pans, oh eating yeah. kosher, but nothing about a girl's period. She was sent out away. Like, what an oversight, right? That you're going to talk about, you're going to make a such a big deal about working on the Sabbath, but then nothing. What would you have added about girls and women? What would you have added in the about periods? This is a girl. This is when. This is why a woman gets her period. It's not dirty and unclean. Yeah. You know, it's all you need to do is bathe and you need to make these things because there were instructions on how to build a whole temple, but not one instruction on how to make a maxi pad or a tampon, <laughs> but a whole <laughs> thing, how to build an ark that so that God is can is destroy that's the quite earth. Good. Is that yours? Yeah, that's mine. That's original. That's good. So. You can give detailed instructions to Noah to build an ark because you want to kill a bunch of people. You want to tell Moses and Abraham and everybody how you're going to build this big synagogue or temple so people can worship you, but not one word about a period other than, nope, she's unclean. Send her out of the camp. Because it wouldn't have been hard she to make a maxi pad. She can't come back right? until she's over if you it. Can make a temple you could make a if you could make an ark with the details of that you could make a maxi pad exactly um or there a tampon was no right? care right and uh now do you think that my understanding that's or why my it guess was written is by men yeah. who were not inspired by if they were inspired by a god he's not that concerned about girls or women right either he's not or, he, or they wrote it and or they and wrote it now exactly. um so they probably th- saw the blood and were concerned because uh, they. M- I wonder if they knew that diseases carried in the blood, and that's why they sent her out. 
Well, they probably thought so. I mean, maybe in their defense, yeah, maybe they felt like we have no idea what to do. Like we, we just don't want this bloody woman yeah. here because maybe she stinks. Yeah, yeah. And she's gonna draw wild animals to the camp. Oh, that's true. I hadn't thought of that. So let's just send her out there so she can get killed in the wild <laughs> by herself. Did they <coughs> I wonder why the whole family didn't go out and like at least the husband go out with her and protect her. I don't know because she was a woman. They weren't worth anything. Women just had no value back then. But it w- but even from a like if no, they had they had v- value in that they were giving birth to kids and the kids were needed for work. Yeah, but it, that was just for sons. Probably. For so, oh, for sons. Well, no. My point is that the woman, the wife, worst case scenario, the they see a value, a monetary value in her because she right. can produce sons who help work. Right. So if that's the case, why wouldn't they protect? It's like ants could protect the queen bee from attack. Right. Like even even like a, a because she gives birth, right? Right. So they protect her. They'll give her life. So why wouldn't at least the why why wouldn't they protect the woman who gives birth to sons? I assuming don't know. that's where they saw question. the value, protect her from being killed. It's a really good question. While she's out there in the wilderness. I don't know because there was nothing said. Because think about it, everything that supposedly God said or that Moses wrote down or these different people, it's like it's like law. It actually is a law. They call it the law. But not one thing. Imagine if God would have said, these are women, they're highly valued, I love them. Oh, oh, here's why. Here's why. Or probably part of the reason why. Because... Giving birth in pain was her curse. Yeah. So, of course, she deserves to suffer. She's the one that brought all this on us. Maybe that's part of the thinking. I don't know. Your battery's low, by the way. On my f- on my microphone? Yeah. No, on the, on the, on the laptop. Do you want it? I can pause it and get, the get it. Okay. I'll do that. And we're back. Thank you for getting that, Brian. Um. There you go, from Thanksgiving to periods. What else on that subject? I don't know. I don't know. I guess it's um. Oh yeah, because we were talking about the meaning behind everything and believing in different stories and stuff. Oh yeah, yeah. That's the other thing. I guess that's a good question. Like, what are the questions should you ask of a story? So, like, we're never taught to ask those questions. So, like, if you're looking at the story of the narrative of either creation or the narrative of the Christmas story. Yeah. You know, we're never taught to ask the question, like, is 13 too young to have a baby? Yeah. Should a 13-year-old have been asked? Like, that's another thing. Couldn't couldn't he have found an ugly 22-year-old spinster? To have why the why baby? Why ugly? Well, no, I'm just <laughs> saying. Why? I'm just saying, like, so wonder, because like, spinsters, women who weren't married, were considered to be unattractive or... Yeah. I had a friend, actually, I met after disconnecting from evangelicalism. He met me, and, you know, before we left, he goes, hey, I just wanted to, I wanted to ask you a question, and it was uh, something like, how's your... You know, the usual questions we'd be mm-hmm. asked in the old days. How's your walk? Yeah. 
Are you, are you walking with the Lord? Or, mm-hmm. or how's your heart? Like, um, anyway, it was an uncomfortable question because I saw it as a rescue mission, you know. Because I right, drifted and off. It's like oh, but let me get. Uh, let sorry, me, let I'm me sorry. Get to a point there. Uh, but the qui- one of the questions he asked was, "Are you are you reading the Bible every day?" Right? Because that's a measurement of your spirituality. Uh, which is interesting because uh, I don't know if Catholics read it every day, but still they can be very spiritual people. Anyway, and I mean I understand his line of questioning. We would have we would have like I understand you can understand his line of questioning, mm-hmm. right? From yeah. the background. Okay. Well, then he asked the question, like, I, do you believe it's true? Well, first of all, it's a big question. That's 66 books. And from, again, from his questioning, like, in the old days, I was like, of course it's true, every word. But after going through seminary, it's like, well, there's clearly parts that are, didn't, we think didn't happen, right? Right. Um, like the woman caught in adultery that was at it a few hundred years later. We don't, it could have happened, we just just wasn't in the original but then um also like uh there's there's you know there's 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 stuff in there that what i what i, I guess i realized was I, I think it's the wrong question the question is is it important that's one question i think the answer is yes it's important even if you're an atheist and you you hate the book it's played an important ro- it's played a role that has formed many mindsets and beliefs and structures in society so it has an importance so that's number one is it important um i guess the question is it true is important too like did these things really happen and if they but if they didn't back to no harari's point if they didn't happen uh have they had good outcomes for us even if they didn't really happen have they have they brought us good outcomes like has christmas brought brought us as a society to a better place I'd argue it has. Sure, it's helped the economy a lot. Well, I think it's also helped us have a common time where we rest. And rest, yeah. And, and see each other and be intense. It's like Thanksgiving. like. It's also very hard for people who don't have anything. Because I remember being a kid, and it's not that we didn't have food or shelter or anything like that. Yeah. But if you're a child, it's also a very horrible holiday in the sense if you are someone who doesn't have money and your fa- your family doesn't have money to get you presents but yet they are celebrating the holiday and they have yeah. a little tree but yet they have nothing to give you and it's obvious it's obvious that Santa isn't stopping by your house and never does yeah there is a lot of suffering that happens on Christmas right and no one a lot of people don't talk about that it's interesting you say Santa because Santa um, is another is a narrative that you know. Spoiler alert, kids! Skip this next part, but isn't we know he's not true. Right. But we grew up with him, and it's a story we had to grow out of to say it's not true. And we've also seen the the downside of Santa, where if a kid wakes up and doesn't have presents, it means they're bad, and Santa's or something's wrong. Right. So by creating that narrative, there's people who who are not, uh, they're now on the, on the bad side. It's no different than the Christian narrative. See, I was leading you down that road there. Where, where were you going to go with that? That the downside is, hey, you're going to heaven, you're not. Exactly. And Christmas is the same. You get presents because you have all the right answers. You have the r- Your parents have the right job. They can buy you this amount of presents. They can put the decorations up. They can make the holiday festive. They can put on the front that Santa bought you all these things. 
But the other parents that don't have the right pocketbook, the right job, yeah, and all of that, they can't do it. It's just impossible. Now, w- w- what's the connect? The qu- connection the to connection Christianity is, is that you have the right answers. Yeah, you have the right answers. You have the right access. So if you're born in the United States into the right family, but like so, an evangelical or uh, would say, uh, well, no, it's but you just have to have faith. It's very simple. They would just say it's very simple. In what sense? You just have to believe that Jesus died for your sin. That's you just you believe it or you don't. There's no, there's no right answers. There's no, there's no. But there are and there are right answers that come after that. Come it's after never that. Yeah, No yeah, one yeah. ever just says, okay, now you've believed in Jesus and now, then now go on your merry way. It's like, now that you believe in Jesus, join this church. Let's groom and sign all these this other membership things about you and, and give us and this make money. You follow these rules. Yeah. That you know. But, I mean, well, I mean, capitalism is the same way. I mean, if you're lucky enough to have a job, capitalism is supposedly this really amazing system, but not everyone thrives in a good system. You know, it could be a system that works really well in a lot of cases, but then there's always people who suffer in these systems. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, okay. You want to move on and talk about more, like, things, just new things in your life and stuff like that? Yes. Um, Do you have some fun new stuff going on in your world? Well, uh, for those who might have listened to the beginning of the year, I've, I've, I'm ending the year in a much mentally healthier place. That's That's mm-hmm. been great. Mm-hmm. I've been, you know, um, yeah, just um, very thankful for, for waking up and having a mind that's at peace. So that's been great. Uh, and uh, I have a new local pub, but it's not local because we moved. It would have been local if we stayed put where we were. But it's still pretty local. I mean, you can get there yeah, in, what, yeah. 14 minutes The college pub. It's kind of um, I play it's an there. Irish pub. I play there every Friday night, 6 to 8 p.m. Yeah. So he's he plays. Nice. And yeah, so nice to be back. the Irish pub. That's really nice. And he loves their bangers and mash. Oh, they're great. The sausages are fantastic. So he's enjoying that. And I had my first bangers and mash. from... Your country and yeah, that's been nice. Enjoying that whole thing. So um, that's it. Work's been good. Had the week off, which was good, but also I'm contracting, so I don't get paid. So that's not great. But mm-hmm. that's. Th- but I, th- I think it was a great week off. Went to see my family in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That was very nice. And um, shout out to Neil. I'm sorry I wasn't there long enough to get up to you. Or um, so just it was a quick two day trip. Yeah. And um. What else about that? I put my back out. Now it's better. Yeah, just all the aging stuff, you know. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not great. Um. What, what am I? What am I missing? But you're very slim. Yeah. Yeah, but I just I'm not like yeah. My shoulders bother me. I have right. a torn. You just have a few tweaks that need to heal. Cuff and then um, it's just bothersome, but. Yeah. But otherwise, feeling good. Read a book. Started reading a book about happier after or the the happiness curve where, where they sh- mm-hmm. there's all this data where midlife crisis is a, is a real thing and usually okay. people hit their lowest point in their 40s but then they uptick in their 50s oh so it's some biological thing that happens to us so how do you feel have you what has your experience been with that like where do you have you seen that at play in your life yet yeah i think the 30s were my hardest year okay for sure that was a hard decade my 40s were good yeah my first five years were great like i was in seminary i was on the mm-hmm. way and uh, but then it dipped down again in my late forties. Yeah. So I mean, I I would tie that to events, but mm-hmm. 
you know, it, it also could be an age thing, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, and uh, anyway, and, and also this year has been interesting about, like, tying, you know, I had one doctor talk about potentially manic episodes I had, mm-hmm. which I'd never, uh, yeah, that was interesting. Just to What would be a manic episode? Describe what what he thinks that he Describe th- an episode that he thinks might have been well, a he, manic Well, he would have pointed to me when I was 26 and I had a born-again experience. And he said, okay. I'm not trying to discount it. And it's not like he's a – he's you know, on his website said he's, he's, he's open to spirituality. It's helped yeah. him a lot. Um, but he bo- pointed to the born-again experience as potentially a manic episode because mm-hmm. he talked about how it's um, – it was just uh, – what did he say? Feelings of grandiosity of mm-hmm. I'm going to take on the world. And then I wonder also, like, was – I don't know. It's it's. I'm still trying to dig dig through that, you know. Yeah. Um. Because I wonder if if I had a manic episode and it was untreated, wouldn't you look to other things to treat it? Like uh, study, deep study was. I loved the well, study. Well, because you part. were already treating it with like recreational pot. When in my oh my when in my twenties. Yeah. Oh wait, I'm I'm, sorry, I'm skipping all over the place. Yeah. So the year before the born again episode, I'd been mm-hmm. smoking pot almost every day. And um, so the THC can be, if you have a proclivity, is that the right word? Yeah. To psychosis, mm-hmm. THC can can start that early. Yeah. Uh, or it can, c- it can cause it. If you have high doses of THC in your system frequently, I read this in the New York Times yesterday, um, it can bring on psychosis. Yeah. Um, so uh, looking back... Um, where was I? Oh, yeah. The uh, the number one cause of early onset psychosis for young people is THC. So yeah, that's glo- frightening. Globally, I've, I've uh, psychiatrists said that, and I've heard it several or in a few other places. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that was going on, and then I had the episode. So it's very possible that THC triggered some event in my twenties, and I just wasn't. So when you for say it. the episode, I think we shared this before on the podcast. But what episode are you referring to? Oh, the time when I came home from work and I'd been yelled at by a guy at work. And I came home, and I sat there, and I just wondered, like, what's the point of life? Mm-hmm. Like, all this stuff, and, you know. Um, and then I got on my knees and, and took out a tract and read the prayer and, and cried yeah. and um, got closer to God instead of reading the Bible. And, um, yeah, that was, the okay. epi- that was the episode. So... Well, you know, because that, that was an important narrative for me. For a long time, I would tell that story. Right. And I was like, yeah, that was your born-again experience. That's when you, you know, you you received the Holy Spirit and it all made sense. And then for him to say that could have been a manic episode, it was like, shit, really, that just kind of, you know. Yeah. That doesn't mean, it do, to me, it doesn't mean he's right. It doesn't mean it wasn't a spiritual event. It very well could have been. It's just there's, this, you know, there there's con- there's new connections that could be made. What's the theory, Occam's razor? Occam's razor. The most obvious answer is probably the right one. Which one would you think would be the most obvious in this case? Well, if I just take the material world answer, it was his answer of I was smoking THC. Yeah. And I had a, it triggered a manic episode. And, you know, I'm possibly bipolar. <laughs> He's not, he, s- he said, he wondered if I was. He said, has that been brought up? I said, no. Yeah, I don't think I would say you were bipolar. I think but whatever you, maybe the THC brought on something. Yeah. 
but in your normal day to day, I mean, you definitely were low a lot. Yeah. In our marriage, you definitely had yeah. like a negative Nelly type. Right. Disposition. Yeah. Um, so I would say that maybe, but I mean, I don't. Maybe the manic parts were like your extra hyper spirituality. Yeah. Is what made you manic. And it's possible. Maybe that's what he. Yeah. That would be a good question. Like, is the. Because when I'm thinking manic, I'm thinking of someone who's like really happy and giddy, but maybe manic has more manifestations and how it presents itself. Yeah. Yeah. I I do want to look at that more because in um, talking to my friend Paul, he, he. said that manic is all it isn't just like you're high like it's all mm-hmm. I- it's you can't turn off you okay. you can't that's sleep so that's so you well if you look at it like in not just in january i couldn't turn off yeah and couldn't sleep um after thc after a high dose of thc in january mm-hmm. I, I couldn't sleep for several days and yeah had to, you know seek treatment but also in um my late 30s when i was at the a lot of stress at work I would be awake every night taking walks, and then I would yeah. eventually start preaching a sermon to myself, and then and then would com- calm down and go to sleep, and then and then it's when we lived on a blah blah blah, where was that street? Well, we live in that street now. Where 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 are we at this time? No, in it just Chicago? it just it doesn't matter. But it bothers me. I can't remember John and Mary's house on uh, Rosedale. Rosedale. Rosedale, very good. Yeah. Um, I'd walk around San High School and in, in circles at nighttime and. And that went on for a few weeks where I couldn't sleep and then had a pretty powerful moment at a at my friend Drew's baptism where remember that priest was dancing at the on the mm-hmm. stage Anglican uh, and then I, I had this m- this revelation and then and then everything pa- and it got better, everything got better. So now if you were to take that story Yeah those occurrences and put them on a Mormon person, yeah, or another person in any kind of different cult, right? You would say that person is absolutely batshit crazy. Well, you said cult. You kind of like, you know, I mean, what? Wha- no, I wouldn't say that. Like, like a Muslim person could have that experience, right? Right, but I'm just saying, if we take it out of our own experience, and if I say he couldn't sleep, no, I, I don't know if I'd say he's crazy. Like, if a Muslim guy told me that story and said, blah blah blah. Maybe and then I had can this I explain I what I'm trying to and say And I had this more? God moment. It's like, yeah, I could see that. Yeah, good. Well, no, uh, the reason why I said it in that way is because sometimes if we're watching a show that's about different kind of cults. Yeah. And you're looking at it and you're looking at how they're worshiping and how they're raising their hands and crying and how they're doing all these different things. And, yeah, you know, I'm sitting there thinking, oh, my gosh, it's people are absolutely insane out of their minds. Right. Yeah. Just like the one we under heaven. What was that one we watched? Like, remember how those under men... Under the banner of heaven. Under the banner of heaven. Remember how the Good men show. would, like, read the Bible? They would be reading the Bible together and praying together, and they would be saying what God told them, and oh they yeah, saw yeah. visions. This is all the same that that yeah, happens that to Christians and how Christians talk, too. Yeah. So what I, what I was trying to make a parallel with is that if you take those happenings that happen to you and you place them on another belief system that you think is wacky they look wacky but because we're accustomed to them in this setting they don't seem wacky because we've been accustomed to think that's normal 
But then when you take them in a different, put them in a different context. Right. It makes sense. Yeah. You know what I mean? Sure. And all of a sudden you think, wow. Yeah. That person has mental issues. Yeah. But we don't think it about this context that we are familiar with. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. It's good. So anyway, that's been interesting about all that. What about you? So what was the question you asked me? Whatever, whatever question you asked me to send back to you, what else is new? Well, I think I asked you that. I asked you and okay, I asked you a couple questions. What? Oh, did you? I said, what's new with me? Because you got stuff going on, arc, your arc space. Yeah, I mean, there's been different things. I've made quite a few changes, which is interesting. Like, I'm not really into astrology, but I I'll read it sometimes because it does have a some um, interesting parallels. And me being an Aquarius, there are a lot of things that when I read about being an Aquarius that ring true for me. And Aquarius people, they like change a lot. <laughs> yeah. Like they love it. They don't. That's why, like, when we move and stuff, it never really bothers me. Like, I'm not. You do like change. Well, uh, then when we buy stuff, you want to change it. Like, you want to throw it out and get something else. Yeah, but that's just like, and you just don't mind it, you know? It's like something we enjoy. Right. You know? I so, think, yeah, I and think we yeah. also change projects a lot because I would feel, did you want to say something? No, go ahead. Because a lot of times I feel guilty that I, because some people are just so steadfast, right? They pick one thing, they stay on that road, they do that thing. And I've just never been that way. Like, I'll stay in a lane. So, like, I'm, at, I'm like the Atlanta Expressway. Like, there might be six lanes. It's all going the same direction, but there are six lanes, and I can be in one of them. Yeah. You know? That's kind of how I do things. But it's like with my art, you know, I'm always changing. Like, I'll be changing my website, and then I'll change the name of it. I'll rebrand myself or, um, you know, I had my stuff on products, and I took it off products. And now I think I'm about to put it back on because, like, every time I read a new piece of information or some someone will say something different to me about how they think I should approach something, like, I'm always, like, changing my perspective you know and usually feeling guilty about that but I'm, I'm not going to feel guilty about it anymore because number one it's my prerogative I can do whatever I want with my art and then number two that's just who I am I guess I, I like it you know and I'm always adjusting I guess I'm looking for like that magic bullet that's like if I just find the right formula of how to present my art then it will take off you yeah. know so anyway with that said, like I rebranded, I got a studio, and then now I've downsized into a smaller studio, and I have a studio mate, um, and so that's going to be an adjustment. Like he's a really nice person, and everything, and seems really cool. But it's just it'll be challenging not having my own space. But thankfully, I did this because then they ended my contract. For my scrum job, so right. which was very. That was difficult. That was Halloween day. Yeah, that was very sad because I loved that job a lot, and um, so now I wanted to find like a full time scrum job, but that's hard too because I still only have like almost a year's worth of experience, and it's still really difficult to find a job 
yeah with that little experience so but i know did you, you mentioned the go ahead. ahead did you mention the digital art and i spaced oh, out oh i haven't said anything about digital art oh okay so on the day that i got let go like you were going to i think you're right no dallas that yeah, night weren't the you the next day i went to dallas the next day you went to dallas well i had thought about making christmas cards yeah but then normally when I would make Christmas cards, I would do a painting first, and then you have to have the painting photographed, and then you can print the card. So it's like a whole thing. So anyway, I told Brian, I was like, let me play with your iPad and see if I can make Christmas cards on there. That would be much easier than going through all that other stuff. So started playing with it and was like immediately really loved it. You have an Apple pen. And it just feels so cool on the screen. And I've always been a naysayer when it comes to digital art. And um, now that I've been doing it, I really see the appeal because it's really fun. And also you can create a lot of really cool things. I mean, it's truly its own mm. animal. Like, it's different. And I can see why people would get pissed if – because there was some kind of art fair recently – and a piece of digital art won, but it was up against traditional paintings. Yeah, and I would get I would get pissed. Honestly, is it because it, it's easier to make? Yeah, it's easier to make because you're removing so many impediments. Right, like mistakes, which can be fixed. Yeah, and mistakes can be fixed immediately. Yeah. Um, also, you don't you're there's no friction of any kind, so you don't have to worry about like. Having the right pencil, having the right pen, the feel of the texture of the paper, the texture of the canvas, waiting for paint to dry. But isn't that the beauty of that? The physical art is that the nuance brings with it complexity and uncertainty, and that's what makes right. it great. Right. So that's why I think they should be. They should never be in the same competition. Yeah. Well, because if you if you're getting Christmas cards, you don't care. Like one of the Thomas Cole pictures. I like Thomas Cole, by the way. I don't know if you, I don't think you like him. I don't know. Let me look. I know he showed him to me before. Um, and um, the guy was describing when he saw it in person. Like, you could see the texture of the rocks and right. all that stuff. And, of course, when you see when you see it online, you can't see any of that stuff. Right. Which made me think, well, then, if you can't see all that stuff. Like, if in other words, if you're going to do digital, then it's gonna someone's going to buy the print anyway. Yeah, I'm not into this, Thomas Cole. They don't need to see all that detail. I mean, it's pretty, but, but it's I not. You know, if you're going to get the original, there's something nice about seeing that. Well, right. You want to see know. all that texture and everything. But you don't – I mean, digital art also has its own level of expertise because you can't – there's so many tools on there. Like, you have the same toolbox yeah. available to you, pens, pencils, all kinds of paintbrushes, airbrush, markers, chalk, watercolor. Right. Um, so you have all of those to use them though, with the Apple pen, you still have to have a level of skill. Yeah. Especially when you're using things that are on the finer side. Yeah. Now I think that's where it's much easier if I'm using like the airbrush pen or the watercolor pen, those are much easier than if I'm using like a certain kind of paintbrush or a certain kind of like uh, fine t fine tip pen or something, you have to practice. 
right? Yeah. Uh, so it's not without skill. And you still have the creative element, right? Because even if you are highly skilled, you still may not produce something that people find visually pleasing. Yeah. But um, anyway, but it is it's, it is a lot of fun. And then I can have the image, and then I can immediately upload it to my website. And because it's such an awesome image, it can be immediately printed. There's no original, though. Does that bother you, that you never have an original with digital art? Why? Why is there no original? Because. Oh, I know what you mean, because you can print that one out. Yeah, like uh, there's, a y there's the original digital, but then. Right. Everyone gets a digital copy. Well, you what you do then, if you want to do that, you can either make just one available yeah. if you want, or you can do a limited series. Huh. So you're like, I'm only doing 10 of these. They're going to be signed. They're a limited edition. Um, and that's kind of how you would do it. So like if I took one of my pieces that I really like, like Flamboy, I could be like, okay, I'm going to do 20 in this color that are signed. And then once those 20 are sold, no more. That never gets printed again. And then I'll print it again, but it'll have this color background Yeah. instead of that color. So that's kind of how one of the ways you could approach it as an artist. I'm guessing that, like, like uh, uh, technology has really changed art. So mm -hmm. I was just thinking, um, you know, originally there was an LP and mm -hmm. people would say, oh, yeah, that's, that's, the, that's the original. That's the deal. And, like, these digital versions aren't the same. Maybe a better example is... Um, when you all like ki uh, synthesizers in the 80s came out mm -hmm. and they were I don't know what the word synthesize means I'm trying to remember synth I'll have to go look up that what I that merge means cause it yeah, I think synthesize I don't know the definition but it's like it's, it's creating something out of something else so it's yeah. like taking the sound and it's putting it through electronics in yeah. some way to create that sound. Because you were making like almost like an orchestral sound. Uh, right. Sound. But I think some some people work really well with it. Like they, they mm -hmm. what I'm, I'm sure people thought, well, that's cheating if you have a synthesizer. Like oh, yeah. Like you're people faking did. an orchestra that's not there through a computer. But but looking back on like on some 80s or not just 80s, but uh, there's some people who just do that really well. And they need yeah. to be commended for taking something digital and working well within it. Right. And um, maybe they couldn't. Maybe that artist couldn't write an orchestral piece for real instruments. Right. Maybe but they still couldn't, but maybe they could. And they probably get a lot of shit over it, but, but, they, but the outcome uh, to the user at the end of the day is their enjoyment, you know? Right. And maybe like, uh, um, maybe to me, like I listen to Heartbeat City, and I think Greg Hawks um, Synthesizer on that is, is superb. It's nothing like mm -hmm. it, <coughs> and uh, I just and the whole thing is is a masterpiece. Now people probably say, yeah, but he does he have the computer do all this and that and everything. But it's I don't care. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's a it's a right. it's a it's an audible masterpiece. And people have, I think people have questioned like how good is the edge? Like he's not on par with like people like Eddie Van Halen, which is fine. He never wanted to be like his his right. master. His am I losing you? Maybe no. it's a consistent word. His master mastery was was to hold back and be minimal right. and then like Jack White from White Stripes I think that's his name called him a sonic architect or somebody did I think it was him called him that and I thought it's a great term for him because he has all these pedals especially during yeah the Zoo TV tour like he just had all these computers and like almost like a data center that would feed his sound mm -hmm. 
And yet that's okay. At the end of the day, the sound coming out of him was was magnificent. Well, and why can't every artist can't be Mike Lanzuo? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like because, say, maybe you're not, maybe that's not his artistic voice either. Maybe Eddie Van Halen's artistic voice was that he liked to make those riffs. Maybe yeah. that was his his voice, and yeah. he loved that, and that's what energized him. And maybe The Edge, that's not his voice. I think it's a matter of time. You I know? think both probably put equal time in. Like the Eddie Van Halen probably spent hours and hours and hours just on the guitar, mm-hmm. repeating those licks, right? Mm-hmm. And whereas The Edge probably spent hours and hours and hours messing with pedals and sounds, right? To me, I, and I actually I lean more on on where the edge is. Like I love messing with pedals and all that stuff. Like yeah. I get the get geeked and stuff. Or well, it's just like it. the difference between going to like a having some chef present you with this highly elevated meal that has all these fancy ingredients and different techniques that you would never use in your home. Right. But and you sit down and you enjoy it and it's great. But then you equally will enjoy a pot of homemade chili and a piece of cornbread yeah, because it's also freaking amazing. Yeah. Even though it took you less than 30 minutes to prepare, it's still delicious. Speaking of which, uh, we had we spent $50 on that pizza the other night. I think Red Baron would, would have been as good. You think? Red Baron was as good. I mean, it was good pizza, but for the money, again, perfect example. Is that I was worried I was off track. Perfect example. Red Baron is cheap. Probably has some bad ingredients in it because it's highly processed. Yeah. But it's delicious pizza you can buy in the grocery store. Yeah, and, and it could, would have been a, what, a third of the price? It would have been a third of the price. And we had the pizza from the Pearl, and it was very lovely, but it was just probably two little notches down from Red Baron maybe. Yeah. Well, and you know what? It would have made it equal to Red Baron in my opinion. Yeah. It would have been a little extra tomato sauce. And warmer because – well, yeah, because yeah. it heated it up. Because Red Baron gets the ratio of crust to sauce to cheese to pepperoni perfect. Yeah. There's not too much pepperoni. There's not too much cheese. Most pizzas don't have enough sauce, in my opinion. Yeah. Rarely do you find a pizza that has too much sauce. Red Baron nails the sauce ratio. And, yeah. Yeah. They just I think that other pizza would have been equal to Red Baron if it would have had a little more tomato sauce on it. Right. Probably by another like it was a bit dry, half yeah. a cup. Yeah. I would have added to that. Well at least we know. Yeah. Well and Finn wanted to try it and I always like to try Yeah, something new. It is disappointing though when uh you recommend something and it's not as good, but yeah. I think we all enjoyed it. We all liked it. Yeah, it wasn't bad. It was a good. It was a good experience. It was part of our Christmas. We put the Christmas tree up, and right was that the day we did it? We did put the Christmas tree. And then up we that watched day. the Christmas movie that we were all very excited about. Now, actually, speaking of now, I'm going to take another a little turn here. So, what I learned this Thanksgiving is that some traditions just need to be retired because they're not right. working anymore. Exactly. And the two traditions I thought that we could retire could be let, – let me get to the Santa Claus movie. So Tim Allen released a new Santa Claus movie. It's actually a series. Mm-hmm. And we love the Santa Claus movie. I think it was first introduced to by you. It's an ni- early 90s movie, mm-hmm. and it's fun, and we've watched it every year. Yeah. And uh, so then we were excited for this, but as we're watching it, I'm realizing 
this series is made for um, you know little kids, little kids who were little when the you know the pr- whatever when uh, when it like but when they're Callum reintroducing it to a new generation. They are, and I think that's the yeah. And I think Callum was like, he just shut it off after a few minutes, and we're like, hey, that's they rude. They they've outgrown it. But I think we all realized none of us want to watch this. Like it's right. It's well, plus we it was really cheesily made. It was, yeah. And and it's like, well, we need something new. And then I realized Christmas morning, I mentioned, you know, I don't actually like turkey. And I, the reason I said that is because I was mm-hmm. thinking about like whenever someone's asked the best part of Thanksgiving, I've met nobody who says turkey. I've never liked turkey. And yet, that's the one guaranteed part of the dish. And I think it's you know that's that's what was available to the pilgrims or whatever. But I'm thinking like, why do we do dry turkey when? not bad but it's like so many it's the least favorite then why bother eat? doing it so i think we decided this was the last year we would do turkey yeah. we're gonna do something else i mean the only reason why i do the turkey is so that i can put the stuffing in it oh you're right you said that that's but you could do it in a chicken right but i can do it in a chicken could you put it in a pig Ooh, no no why not what if you did a pig you could well you, you couldn't fit the pig in the oven right no is there any other Maybe animal what about a goose have you ever had is goose, goose good? are disgusting okay cool any other bird that's taste is that's is duck is pretty difficult duck, to yeah, prepare. Okay. I wouldn't do duck. But I'm chicken, you could eat stick it in the chicken and equally get the what you're looking for, right? Yeah. Well, because right. what you want is the juice from the carcass. The carcass, yeah. So now you could just stick it in three chickens. Now another thing you could do is you could roast. Well, it's just the beauty of while it's roasting, all those juices are flowing into the stuffing. And making it superb. I mean, you could buy all that juice maybe from a chicken, but might might as well just roast the chicken at the same time and then be able to eat the chicken. I'm getting hungry now. Are we? Are you making stuffing today? I am going to make more stuffing today, even though I don't have a chicken to put it in. But um, I'm just going to make more because yeah, I usually make two pans of stuffing for Thanksgiving, but I only made one because our both refrigerators were full. Right. And I didn't want to have too many leftovers, so yeah. I only made one pan. So well, this was fun. Yeah. Uh, the other reason we came back. Oh, oh the, the big reason. Tradition. Huh? Oh, those are the two those traditions: are. Santa Claus and uh, the turkey. And the turkey. Yeah, and I was thinking, like, it's you, like you, it's. I think it's important to. Oh, and to re. Yeah. Readdress tradition and find new ones that fit better. Yeah, and I think we're going to bring back a new a tradition. What is it? Or it wasn't. It was kind of a tradition in Chicago where we would get together with Jackie. Oh yeah, yeah. And we would have chicken fried steak. Right. And watch movies. And we're thinking of doing chicken fried steak. I haven't made chicken fried steak in probably four or five years. So here's a thought, though. You mentioned because I w- if I was Jackie, listening to this, I'd be like, "Well, wait a minute. Are are we going to get together?" Well, that wasn't part of the part of it, but I was thinking, yeah, we could do a watch party. Yeah, we could do a watch party with Jackie and Liz. We could totally do a watch party. Because we would every when I was we were first dating, early married, we'd go over to Jackie's house for uh, New Year's Day, chicken mm-hmm. fried steak, watch movies. What movie have we watched? Uh, Strictly Ballroom. That's right. We Sh- would well watch. Shall we dance? Is that a movie? Was that one of those ones? That is a movie. But I oh, we got to pick our own movies. Remember I remember picking one. I think we did Strictly Ballroom, and then we did. We probably picked others, and we had wine. We picked one each. That was fun. Yeah. So a watch party. Uh, yeah, we could do a watch party. 
and and Lucas said, "Now, how would that work, Mo? Can we hear them when we're doing a watch? Pa- I've never done a watch party. I think you chat, right? You chat. Oh, is that it? So, like, remember because you sent it to me the yeah. other night. Yeah. And then I responded, and then we can see each other's chat. But what if you did a group phone call instead, and you have your headphones in? That might be overcomplicated. No, I think the chat's better because with. Yeah. We watched a movie with Jackie a couple weeks ago. Yeah. Me and Finn. Right. Shouldn't we just had her on the phone? Yeah. Does that so work? So like we could talk. Yeah. Or I think no, I think we hung. Did she stay on the phone? I think she stayed on the phone. For it, but I think uh. the chat is more fun because you can have like a. You can just like type in. And the the chat is 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 offered by like if you do Amazon watch party Amazon, it's in the Amazon app or something on the website where you're chatting. Is that it? I don't know, babe. You sent it to me. I don't remember oh how it okay works we'll exactly. Let me see. Maybe you know worth uh, trying that. So, uh, oh, one thing about the rea- big reason I wanted to do this again is because this was a guaranteed time where we would have focused conversation. This is true. During the week, and I was asking the question last night. Hey. I don't think we've been that close mm-hmm. in the last few weeks. And um, and we had already talked about doing this, but then I realized that this is a good way to be close is to, is to sit and have a guaranteed Yeah. Well, because, too, then I think we talk about things. I mean, we talk a lot when we go on a date. Um, but, I mean, usually when we do this, we do talk. We'll go into different areas that we don't always go into. Yeah. We didn't fight the whole time here. No. No. Did you expect us to fight? No, we averaged one f- one kind of heated moment. All right. Well, um, hopefully this works. Yeah, but we haven't we haven't done this in a while. We haven't done it in a while, so we're still trying. Uh, this is one of the few podcasts where I actually am not concerned as much about what people think, and I'm more focused uh, here on it, just what we're talking about. Okay. So did you feel like she overshared or shared anything that was too private? No. I yeah, because I didn't share anything that I haven't shared on here before. Yeah. So I don't think it was like a private one. Um, I may go back and listen to. Maybe I'll go back and pick a podcast and listen to it. But I, I usually don't. Yeah, I haven't listened to. Do you usually go back and listen to all of them? I used to, yeah, because yeah. I thought it was very. I learned a lot from listening to them. I learned how I sound. Oh sounded yeah, yeah, yeah. How I come across, and that's very. Oh, I did too. Yeah. Insightful because. You know, no better thing than a mirror, right? Yeah, it's true. Seeing yourself, and then, and then just hearing, like, hearing the conversation again, and like, maybe hearing different ways you could have responded. I did. I've. I was aware of my lack of listening skills by going back Mm because I would. You would say something, and I was hearing it for the first time, and I could tell from my. Well, I knew when I was hearing it mm-hmm. in the recording, but well, Brian, you, you weren't listening at that moment. You were thinking about what you were going to say. Right. And, and sure enough, I, I could, yeah. And in the past, too, I think sometimes you thought you were thinking of what people were thinking. Yeah. Or what they could potentially think from what was being said. Yeah. And that might affect how you, what you said or how you said things. Which has, and I think part of that growth has been just the, ju- the a lot like I said, the neurofeedback. Mm-hmm. I've done two in the last year, I think has helped um, increase focus and mm-hmm. decrease anxiety because so yeah. much of my 
you know, looking for a f- chicken or the egg. But so much of my problem in focusing and just talking to people in everyday life is mm-hmm. is anxiety in the moment. Yeah. Of how are my words coming across or right. or distractions. So mm-hmm. so am I am I anxious because I'm distracted and I'm not listening, or yeah. am I is the anxiety causing distraction? But either yeah. way, I think that's um that's coming here. That's mm-hmm. the you know. Well, you are a lot less anxious. I think you. I think the neurofeedback is definitely helping you. Still biting the damn fingers, though. But no, I don't think you're doing it as much. Yeah, I'm not. But when I go to town, I go to town. So just the thumbs. So that's. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, yeah. True. Scratching my head. Okay. Well, should we wrap it up? And uh, yeah, are we at an hour? I don't know. I, I can't see. Doesn't oh, it's ten thirty-eight. I don't even. I don't know what time we me. started. Nice. Anything else you want to add? Oh, no, I am what are you watching? What are you consuming? We'll what oh, what am that. I consuming? Okay, I am reading a book that I'm enjoying called Fatty Fatty Boom Boom. It's about a uh, young Pakistani girl. Um, her family immigrates when she's a baby to the United States. And um, basically, they her mother just gets the worst advice about how to feed her baby they want I guess it's like part of the culture for the babies to be chubby and fat when they're little so the baby's not chubbing up so the grandpa gets a buffalo because buffaloes have very fatty 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 milk and they start feeding her buffalo milk and then they find out then the mother starts giving her formula and the grandpa's horrified that his grandbaby's being given formula. So they get rid of the formula, and then... So that... Okay, then enter the buffalo. But then they immigrate to the United States. And, of course, there's no buffalo milk in the United States. So then someone... Some of the Pakistani women in the United States are like, no, we know just the thing. (laughs) Did we get shut down? Anyway, so they tell her to give her baby... Half and half. There you go. So they're feeding this baby half and half, two bottles of half and half a day. And when the baby starts teething, they give her frozen sticks of butter. Mm. So they set this poor child up for being fat her whole life. So it's about her story. And um, it's really interesting because you find out about Pakistani culture. They're Muslims, so you're finding out things about their faith about their standards of beauty, the way they eat, and then also how they adapt and things they adapt to and love when they come to the United States and the difference in the cultures. It's a I, I, And it's a memoir. I really enjoy memoirs. How would you find out about it? Uh, from my book club. Oh, that's Someone right. had recommended it. And um, so I'm reading that. And then what am I watching? I've been watching a lot of stuff. Well, you and I are watching the most recent season of The Crown, which is good. Yeah. And then we're watching – oh, and I'm really enjoying learning the story of Dodi Syed and his yeah. family. Yeah, I almost feel like I want to skip uh, – like there was the Romanoff one. I could have yeah, skipped that. Yeah, I really wasn't into that episode. I think I'm just – because uh, it's at risk of me not wanting to continue. So if I h- right. if we hit an episode that we're not it, that's not related – I think the Diana part's been the most interesting. It has been. Season four really was my been. favorite because of 
the Diana story and yeah. also um, Gillian Anderson's uh, portrayal of Margaret Tha- Margaret Thatcher yeah, was amazing. Yeah, that was really good. That was really good. Anyway. And then we're watching this fun show called Things. What We Do in the Shadows? What We Do in the Shadows. On Hulu. It's very funny. It's super funny. It's like The Office, but for vampires. Yeah, it's a film crew of family follows around vampires and their mm-hmm. helpers and um and it's done in a documentary style but it's it's quite funny it's just the first episode if you watch it you'll you'll crack up laughing yeah it's really i mean you have to have a silly sense of humor like yeah yeah but it's uh it's really funny and there's an um, there's regular vampires and then there's an emotional vampire he is so funny so if you're <laughs> he's from one of the funniest parts if you're familiar with the office in the later seasons he was a white guy with a bald head who was in the office but he is um he was in Better Call Saul too. Actually, he oh I just okay. saw him. Anyway, he's getting, but he, he's um, he does a great job. Yeah, he drains people of their energy. He so he has a regular people. job, and he just keeps rambling on, and, and people are falling asleep. Yeah. But that's how he gets his energy from mm-hmm. draining other people. Actually, yeah. that's one of the he's one of him. He's and so the funny. The lead vampire, the funniest people. Yeah, the lead vampire. I don't like Laszlo. I don't either. Laszlo and I like Nadia sometimes. Yeah, but they're they're kind of annoying. I like. I like what's his name? I forgot. Nandor. Nandor, he's very. I funny. like Nandor, and I like the familiar. Guillermo. Guillermo, and I love the emotional vampire. Oh, what's they're, his they're name? the best. Yeah. What's I don't know. Name? Who who the emotional vampire? Yeah. Robin Collins. Colin Robinson. Colin, Colin Robinson. Robinson. <laughs> they always Robinson. call him by both Colin names. Robinson. That's yeah, good. Now and then funny. we watched. Oh, uh, well, well, one of the fu- the reasons that the. Um, in the first or second episode, they had that chief vampire, which was very like the Gary Oldman Dracula oh, character. Oh, he remember? was so funny. And he didn't last well. Oh, they should have kept him around he longer. Was very, he was, he was only like in parts. what two, three episodes. Yeah. They should have kept him around. He was really, really good. But th- that's yeah. I yeah, felt like some of the episodes are really dumb. They're dumb. I feel like th- it was the funniest part of that show was was the few episodes when. Um. Up until that guy died. Yeah. So if you only watch the first three or four episodes, you, yeah. you would get the nectar of it. And maybe we'll, maybe yeah, we'll keep going. Yeah, they're pretty funny. And then we started last night a, a show with Kristen Bell, the girl across the street who looks in the window of the whatever. What was it again? It's got a really long, drawn-out title, and it's based on a book. Yeah. The Woman ac- in the Window or something. I don't know. It's just like a, mer- a mystery book. Yeah. But they take it and they turn it into a satire. Yeah. So if you watch it, you have to realize it's going to be cheesy, like extra cheesy. Yeah. Um, oh, in the movie, I went to see a movie, The People We Hate at the Wedding. You did? Who did you see that with? Uh, I saw it with I saw it with myself. You went to see a movie on your own? No, I saw it. It's available on oh, Prime. Oh, oh. I think it's on Prime. What's I it called again? I saw it with Finn. It's a Kristen Bell too. Oh yeah, yeah. Let me see. It's anyway, that's so that's funny. not so bad. I'd stick with that. I also went back over my list on at Netflix and stuff I'd saved over the years, and I cleaned it up, and I I may try to watch some of those, but so much time, so little things to do, like books to read, songs to sing. The people we hate hope. at the wedding. The what? The people we hate oh. at the wedding. It's really well done. It's really funny. It's a rom-com. And you have to pay for it? It's not free yet? No, it's free. It's on um, 
Well, the reason I because you said you went to see a movie, so I did say that. And then I assumed, but then when you pulled it back, I thought what you did was you paid for the twenty dollars to watch a movie that was in the theaters. No, anyway. I don't think I paid. Let me just check Prime. The Banshees of Inish Erin I've not seen. With uh, Colin D- uh, Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, I think I'd want to see that, but you don't. You think it's depressing? Oh, I'll go with you. You want to go today? Uh, maybe. I okay. also might want to see the World Cup somewhere. This is free. It's on Prime. Yeah. The people we hate at the wedding. Actually, I'm really surprised that it only gets three stars. People are horrible. I thought it was lovely. I definitely I would have given that film five stars. For sure. Yeah. Did I talk about what I'm consuming? I did. I asked N- you. Not as much. No, I think we're watching the same thing. Oh, the only... Uh, oh, okay, sorry. Did you finish? I did. I'm finished. Uh, the only show I'm watching that you're not watching is Better Call Saul. Mm-hmm. I'm st- I, w- I gave up on it, but then a friend of mine, Paul, suggested keep going because it, b- it just takes a while to get going. So yeah. But I really like the main actor. He's he's very enjoyable. And his brother's very good. It'll stay with something if your characters are strong. Right. Um, I was watching one that was... I am not finished yet. Oh, you're not finished? Okay. Keep going. The book I'm reading, I had fu- four books going at the same time, and I, p- I decided to send everything back to the library except one of them, because mm-hmm. it drives me nuts because yeah. I keep going back and forth. So I'm reading Matthew Perry's book. That oh, I want to read that. And uh, I don't. I have no interest. I had no interest in the guy. I'm not a Friends fan. Never liked him as an actor. Found him. I don't know. I, l- I did watch Friends, though. Did you watch the whole thing? I mean, I no, watched it. Never. I watched it when we moved here six years ago, and I watched it because I thought, well, it's Friends. I should watch it because yeah. it's like. So many people watch it. Yeah. So many people have watched it, and I wanted to have the experience. Right. But, you know, as far as sitcoms go, yeah, it wasn't the characters. I didn't wasn't, like, falling in love with the characters. I mean, it was entertaining, but it wasn't. I found myself, like, fast-forwarding a lot towards the end just to see how the story wrapped up. Yeah. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I was going to say there. But he plays Chandler. Oh, sorry, yeah, Matthew Perry. Well, he was on um, Bill Maher, and Bill Maher said that he had broken. I didn't know it was Matthew. He said Matthew Perry, and I said, it must be a different Matthew Perry. And I thought that because the guy comes on, didn't rec- you know, I didn't catch the voice. I was a podcast. I couldn't see him. And he was talking about his life, mm-hmm. getting off drugs, and how he almost died. And it's like, this guy sounds really interesting. As I'm yeah. hearing him speak, it's like, I want to read his book. And then... Like he would go to to get oxycotton, he would actually go to open houses, mm-hmm. like upstairs and raid their medicine cabinet, and uh, and so that's why I wanted to read the book. And then I realized it was actually was him, and it's like, oh, yeah. it's actually him. He's the the Matthew Matthew Perry. Yeah. So I uh, got it's an interesting read so far, and he's yeah. pissed off a few people. Like he um he men he makes mention in the book of um why is it because he was in a movie with River Phoenix he, uh, early in his career, and he said, why is it people like River Phoenix? And uh, Heath Ledger die young, and Keanu Reeves is still walking among us, and that was unnecessary. And then today I'm reading he w- a story where he was in a show with Valerie Bart- Bertinelli. Bertinelli, and um, 
really fancied her. He was 19 and she was married to Eddie Van Halen, but he was over the house and Eddie Van Halen passed out drunk and he started making out with Valerie Bertinelli. And that's as far as it got. Yeah, they had a heavy makeout sesh. Yeah. And so how did you hear about this? Well, because I listened to him on, well, I listened to Celebrity Book Club, one of the podcasts I listened to, and they read celebrity memoirs. And so they read Matthew Perry's book, and so they were discussing it. Celebrity Book Club, okay. So they were, yeah, because we didn't talk about the podcast we listened to. But anyway, because I have a recommendation on that. Oh, okay. But anyway. But yeah, so I listened. They shared both of those stories about Keanu Reeves. Keanu's one of like, he's like a really beloved actor in Hollywood. He's super generous, super kind. But is he known for, he's not known for his acting skills, though. No, I mean, he's not known as being like a... Like a Meryl Streep of the acting world. But it, co- it goes back. But it goes, you know, goes back to you just want to watch him because he's Keanu Reeves. Like right, he's built his own. Um, yeah. It's like you know, it's it's again, it's like the people hating on Kenny G. You know, he's not right. a real jazz player. Yeah, but people love his stuff. It's like exactly. It's like Liam Neeson. Like you know, I know he can do a lot more acting than he does in these. He has a s- he does a standard right. tough exactly. guy thing, and he's almost seventy probably. Exactly. And he's an amazing actor, which never comes out. But it's all right. That's what he's chosen to do, so who cares? Well, yeah. I mean, it's okay. Every actor is not going to be, you know, given these Oscar or doing these Oscar-worthy performances. And here's another thing. This is what Bill Maher was saying. You can't put these movies up. Like, all these Oscar shows, these award shows, these are all fake, too. Because they're completely contrived. You can't. You can't judge a T-bone steak up against a piece of fried chicken. That's true. They're two separate things. You can't give, like, actors playing, like, five different roles in five different completely different movies and then be like, which one's the best? Yeah. It's meaningless. Completely meaningless. But anyway, yeah, so he made out with Valerie Bertinelli. So that's me. You were going to add another podcast. So I started listening to an art podcast, which I absolutely love. It's, it's called, called Artholes. Isn't it the play on? It's a play on words. Yeah. So it's like assholes, but art holes. And basically, also, like, he just really puts everything into context. So I listened to the whole series on Frida Kahlo and also on Jackson Pollock and Caravaggio. But he goes into the history, like, where they're – who their parents are, what kind of world they were born to, what's going on in the world they're born into, like all the influences that they have. Yeah, it was. It reminded me of a Dan Carlin's hardcore history, where yeah. he really can keep your attention. Yeah, and he's he's more humorous, I'd say. So, like you know, Jackson Pollock is a disgusting, horrible human being. Through you know, no fault of his own, he you know. He just had no upbringing to speak of. But I learned fascinating things about all of these artists that I had no idea about. That he was an abuser, not only an abuser of drugs and alcohol, but beating women, sexually assaulting women. But come to find out, his paintings contain fractals. His drip paintings. What do you mean, fractals? So there's a thing in math called fractals. Oh. And... I don't understand it. He explains it. The podcaster explains it. But they're mathematical. So, like, obviously Pollock was seeing fractals. And so he was, that's what his drip paintings were, is they were big fractals all the way down to, like, the same fractal, like, 
And so basically he probably was seeing them in his mind that he had no language. They hadn't even been discovered yet when Jackson Pollock was painting them. Oh. We didn't even know what they were at that time. But um, anyway, and he's funny. This podcaster's funny. He is very funny. Because he'll put in like little clips of movies and like little commentaries on the story. And yeah. But I just love learning about these artists and people around them. And Frida Kahlo was this amazing human being. And then Diego Rivera was a total disgusting shithead. Yeah. He was the art hole in that one. And then Caravaggio is a total art hole, too. But anyway, you'll have to listen to it to find out if you like art holes. Yeah. I highly recommend that podcast. Well, folks, um, I think it's time to wrap this up. Yep. Thanks for listening time this to far. Time to cook some food. And I'm uh, we'll see you next time. Okay.